Okay, coming up next is going to be Jay Delsing. Jay is just one of the most wonderful, positive, upbeat people that we have right now in broadcasting. He used to be a great player in college and out on the PGA Tour. But before I get to Jay, I was talking with Eddie Dry, VP of Domestic Sales for Strixon Cleveland Golf, at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year. And I said, Eddie, I like your CBX full-face wedges. How can they help an average player like me play better? Here's what he had to say. An average player, I use one, and I'm in some lies that you can't even believe. And I need all the help I can get. And the face is bigger, and the grooves go all the way up and all the way out to the toe. So if I, you hit it on the toe, you miss it, bam, there's a groove. So I like that. So I carry a 58. There you have it, folks. Try the new CBX full-face wedges from Cleveland Golf. I want to tell you about something else I saw at the PGA Merchandise Show, and that's me and my golf. And how does a 45-day free trial to Arco sound? Well, me and my golf have partnered with Arco's and are offering 14 free sensors and a 45-day free trial to Arco's Caddy. When you purchase any training aid on shop.meandmygolf.com. This is a limited time offer, so don't miss out. Again, go online to shop.meandmygolf.com. With many years in the business, menswear brand Construct has finally launched its green golf collection, sustainably produced using renewable solar energy and recycled fabrics. Hit your best shot in their performance-enhancing polos, quarter zips, and bottoms. Made with four-way stretch, quick dry, and UV 50-plus protection. From solids to bold, eye-catching designs, Construct Green is the perfect piece for making the best memories on the greens. And the best part, you can head to construct.com and that's C-O-N-X-S-T-R-U-C-T.com and use code Chris for 20% off the green collection today. Okay, now next on the tee with me is Jay Delsing. Jay, like another great friend of the show, Rob Strano, is from St. Louis, Missouri. Jay was a tremendous junior golf player. He reached the quarterfinals of the U.S. Junior Championship in 1978. He played his college golf out at UCLA along with Corey Pavin, Steve Pate, Tom Pernice Jr., and Duffy Waldorf. Jay lettered all four years from 1979 to 1983, and he was a two-time All-American. He helped UCLA win back-to-back Pac-10 titles in 1982 and 83, and he had seven career college victories. And his 13 career top 10 finishes and 55 career rounds are both the most in UCLA history. He graduated with his degree in economics. He earned his tour card in 1984. He won twice on what was then the Buy.com Tour at the 2001 Fort Smith Classic and the 2002 Omaha Classic. Plus, he shared the title at the 1993 Jerry Ford Invitational Celebrity Pro-Am with Donnie Hammond and Jim Thorpe. On the PGA Tour, he finished second at the 1993 New England Classic and the 1995 FedEx St. Jude Classic. He also had three third-place finishes, 11 top fives, and 30 top tens. You've seen or heard Jay broadcasting tournaments for Fox Sports and the PGA Tour Radio on Sirius XM. He has his own radio show and podcast called Golf with Jay Delsing, and I couldn't be more honored than to have him with me here tonight on Next on the Tee. Hey, Jay, thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, totally different. uh, Well, a different world, actually, back then, Chris, as we know, and uh, much... um, a uh, simpler world. I um, One of the thrills, you mentioned the Gerald Ford tournament. I remember when I was out in Vail getting ready for one of my rounds and I was just kind of 
loosening up and hitting a few balls. And I turn around and Yogi Berra and Whitey Ford are standing right behind me. And I said, hey, guys, what's going on? And uh, they said, oh, my gosh, we didn't mean to bother you while you were practicing. And I just laughed. You know, I'm like, bother me while I'm practicing. you got to be kidding me. Two Hall of Famers, two Yankee greats. And they said, we just wanted to see how Jim and Roseanne are. That was my mom and dad. And it was just a real thrill. You know, just really, really cool, Chris. Yeah, I got I to gotta believe as a kid, you were kid of the day every time you had career day at school. It's hard to top your dad. <laughs> Well, you know, my dad grew up on a dairy farm and is a very humble guy, and he never once came to any uh, – we didn't have career days back then, but we – I was the fourth of five kids. You know, we we just kind of – I was thrown in the back of the car, and we just went, you know, and um, I, I there wasn't all that – there was much hoopla, and my dad was – he just kind of fit in with the landscape, didn't talk too much about his golf, I mean, his uh, baseball career. But the game of golf really re, um, united he and I, and, and um, I'm really grateful because it's through the game that I really got to spend some high-quality time with my dad at a time in my life that was really important. And, Jay, like I mentioned in your intro, you had a great junior golf career. You got to the quarterfinals in the U.S. Junior Championship, and I believe it took extra holes to eliminate you. But what was it like for you being a young player advancing up through a tournament like that? <laughs> I had no clue what I was doing. I, I was in Delaware all by myself. I was staying with a host family that was very kind to me. I was playing a golf course that was way too narrow for my capabilities off the tee, but I was a really good putter and I liked to compete and I'd never seen green so pure and so fast. And so I was holding a lot of putts and I, I didn't really know what I was doing, Chris. I mean, one of, one of the guys, that, uh, this, this family, um, hosted two of us. And unfortunately, the other fellow that I stayed with didn't make the match play. And they came out to watch me play. And they said, you're putting too fast. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, you're not taking enough time over your putter. And I said, but I'm making every one of them. And they said, <laughs> I know, but it looks like you're going too fast. You know, so for a second, I didn't have any really formal training. I grew up playing with my mom's clubs. I'm just a kid with a stick and a ball, man. And I just loved it to try to figure it out. And yeah, somehow I made it through the quarterfinals and Don Herter and I had a great match and he beat me in 21 holes and he went on to win the championship, but it was, um, it was a thrill. And, 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 you know, this game is so good. I, on my show all the time, I talk about it as a societal powerhouse, Chris, because it, there's no other game of the major sports anywhere that do Anything like golf does for the needy, for the sick, for children, for hospitals. I had Barbara Nicholas on my show, and they're talking about four hospitals, I think, that have the Nicholas name on them around the country in different cities in Miami and Ohio and things like that. And, and I mean, just that Nicholas family alone, Chris, I'd love to know what sort of dollars that family is responsible for. I mean, for creating, you know, for charities. It's, it's staggering, man. So, Jay, I got to ask you, how does a rising junior player from St. Louis, Missouri, end up playing his college golf out at UCLA? Well, we didn't have the Internet. <laughs> we didn't have <laughs> cell phones. I just, you know, what I did was um, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. And so what I did was I put together basically resume and I sent it out to over 250 schools. I did it all myself, did all that mailing and, and all that stuff. I bought a book and got the addresses and and sent them out. and because I needed a scholarship to to continue going forward, Chris. And it was 
it was really that simple. And um, I learned, then learned that, you know, as a, as a college recruit, you're allowed eight visits. And so, hell, I hadn't been anywhere other than Delaware and maybe a couple other places in Illinois. So I took all eight of my trips and went to Houston and uh, Wake Forest and um, Arizona's and USC and UCLA, you know, and, and wound up with UCLA. I had a, a, a poster of Bill Walton in my basement. And I just absolutely loved all the sport and Bill Walton and 88 wins in a row and all that great stuff that the UCLA thing uh, offered. it. And, and the, a degree from UCLA was going to, by far and away, outweigh any of the other uh, schools that I would have gone to. So that was uh, a pretty easy choice for me. I love sports. I'm a junkie. And I, and I and in the athletic department at UCLA, just walking around there, you know, Chris, there's badasses all over the place. You know, here I am, this little <laughs> skinny, nerdy golfer. And I'm like, hey, that's, you know, there's uh, Will Chamberlain and there's uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And there's, you know, just one guy after another, Kenny Easley and Steve Bono, Jay Schrader, you know, just they're just really awesome for, for a kid from North County. It was a blast. Yeah, and then you get to go out there and you're playing alongside Corey Pavin, Steve Pate, Tom Pernice Jr., Duffy Waldorf, and then, of course, your longtime friend, Caddy, and now co-host John Perlis. I mean, what was it like getting to play golf and being a part of a team alongside those guys? Well, it was intimidating at first. You know, I didn't really have a complete set of clubs, and I was uh, uh, had quite a temper in those days. And just, But I loved to compete, and I just, you know, I was just in there trying to learn. And when I was a senior in high school, Corey was uh, the college player of the year. I think he had won eight times. And. You know, so all I could think of, Chris, was I need to play with this dude as much as I can. You know, and we couldn't have been more opposite. Corey's a strategist. He's a point A to point B player. And I was long as, I mean, I was super long, but crazy, crazy wild. So it, it just, it, you know, it, it's it's one of those things, but you either get better or you don't survive, you know, and I was I was pretty determined and, and um a fish out of water, no question, being in, in Westwood. But gosh, I just um, things went went well for me and broke well for me, and and you know somehow I fell in love with this game, and this game is a provider, and it continues to provide, and it's it's a uniter of people, it's a it's a networker of people, it's a giver to to those in need, and, and somehow I got swept up in this wonderful world, and and uh, man, I'm I'm still involved, and I I couldn't be more grateful, man. Jay, I read that one of your biggest thrills was getting to play three days in a row with Arnold Palmer. And you started off the first day with Mr. Palmer. He gave you the honors on the first tee, and you stepped up, and you piped one 350 yards down the middle. Boy, the adrenaline really had to be pumping. Oh, I didn't know if I was supposed to genuflect in front of Arnold or if I was supposed to. I didn't know what to do. I was so in awe of playing with him, and I was so excited. And he, and he said, young man, you know, why don't you go ahead and hit first? And I'm like, oh, boy. You know, I couldn't wait to get this this round on, and it and it was it was just a thrill. I mean, the word icon doesn't suffice with someone like Mr. Palmer, and and what he did for the game, and listening to your prior interview with Ron and things like that's just just fabulous. But you sit there and think about what Arnold Palmer did, and then Jack Nicholas, and then you have you know greats like Tom Weiskopf, uh, Tom Weis, Tom, Tom Watson, Tom Weiskopf. You've got then Tiger Woods comes along and you're, you're you know, to be just be in that mix from a, a little kid that grew up the way that I did, man, I, I, I couldn't be more grateful. It was really a thrill. What was it like walking inside the ropes with him? 
Oh man, I was like, I wanted to walk as slowly as I could, Chris, and it was hard <laughs> because I was so geeked up, you know. But I was, I just wanted to, I just didn't want it to end, you know. And when each round ended, he's like, "Do you want to go in and have a drink?" I'm like, "I want to follow you home, you know. I just want to do whatever you're going to do." I, I'll remember a story, Chris. I'm a, I'm 18 years old. I'm standing on the putting green at Bel Air Country Club and trying to figure out what the hell I'm doing there in in this place with movie stars walking around and all of these people that are recognizable from TV. And I get a tap on my shoulder. And in this really recognizable accent, I hear, young man, would you care to play nine holes with me? And I turn around and it's damn James Bond, Sean Connery. Wow. And I almost died. Now, Chris, this is 1979. I mean, Sean Connery is it. And I looked at him and I said, oh, uh, well, yeah, I would love to play with you, Mr. Connery. But I said, I'm not a member. I'm really not even a caddy. I, I'm like, and he goes, no, no. He goes, I've looked after it, you know, and we're all set. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, let's go. And I'll never forget, Chris, we're walking up in the night. And this was later in the evening and it was in the wintertime or, or, or in, the, in the fall time. And so the days weren't very long. And it is pitch black, man. I mean, I can barely see the bag that's on my shoulder. And um, I said, are we going to play the back nine? <laughs> Like, man, I can't even see my ball. So I don't know what you're talking about. But again, it was one of those experiences that I was so far out kicking my coverage. I just didn't want it to end. You also shot a final round 61 at the FedEx St. Jude Classic back in 1993, which was the course record until another great friend of this show, Bob Estes, tied it in 2001. But what was that that day like for you as the birdies just kept on coming? Yeah, you know what? As an athlete and as a competitor, you just don't get enough of those, or at least I didn't get enough of those. But Chris, the the play really, really slowed down. The, the games, the fairway seemed wide, which I didn't never experienced very often in my life. The hole seemed like it was just going to get in the way, and it was just one of those days that you just dream of. You know, it was just you, you know when uh, I hit driver on holes that I hadn't previously hit driver on because I just looked like I could just fit it in there. And, um, and, and ironically, I made about the longest putts I had all day and missed a lot of short, uh, not short, but intermediate, you know, real makeable when you're shooting 10 under par, hell, you feel like you're anytime you get a wedge in your hand, you know, it's makeable. So uh, it was just one of those special, special days. And I'll never forget this, Chris, you know, my dad was a nervous watcher when he was out playing and I gave him good reason to watch. I hit it in the water and hit all over the place often, but I'll never forget getting in the car. And I think I started in, I don't know, 50th place or something. I wound up finishing like fourth or fifth or sixth or something. And I get in the car and I'm just, you know, heart still racing and just trying to unpack what I just did. And my dad says to me, son, how did you miss that putt on number 12? <laughs> and I looked at my dad, you know, and, because he's an athlete. He knows what the hell is going on. And I said, dad, I just shot 10 under par. How, how can we even start this conversation off by a, a putt that I missed? I mean, how about all the ones that went in? He's like, yeah, I know. But it just seemed like you were going to make them all that day. So, you know, it was just kind of a funny story. And also in 93, you win the Jerry Ford Invitational along with Donnie Hammond and, and Jim Thorpe. What was it like playing in former President Ford's tournament out there in Vail, Colorado? Well, Tom Place handled our media for the PGA Tour, and he was a super kind uh, uh, person. And his wife, Jean, were just great. 
and they invited me to play. And it, it was just really, uh, it was special. I had never been to Vail before, obviously. And to get to go there, I think I probably went five or 10 years, you know, until they stopped doing the tournament. But it's just a thrill. It, it almost made me feel, you know, like I had maybe arrived on the PJ Tour, that I had made it, you know, because I was I was constantly hanging around the guys that were playing all the time, the guys that were were household names to me and guys I looked up to and, you know, guys like Andy North and and some of the the guys who were older than me that helped me and 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 took a liking to me and tried to uh, to to you know help me out were were all part of those things and it was really really special and Gerald Ford just a wonderful human being. Jay, it's Open Championship Week. You played in the Open back in 1995. That year, it was played at the Oak Horse in St Andrews. That's the year John Daly won it. But what do you remember about being a part of that tournament? Oh, I just love the venues. I love that. I love the Scottish golf. If I, if I had to do it over again, I think I would have loved to to play over there much, much more. Maybe you know, I was fortunate enough, Chris. I got my card right out of college, and so I I didn't really have to worry too much about mini tours and things like that. But that style of golf over there is very appealing. There's lots of options and lots of different ways to to get your ball around a golf course. And for me. Hitting the ball low was never really a problem, even though I'm a tall person. And and when I got over and played in the Scottish Open in '95, before the week before the British, we played Carnoustie, which as you know is a beast, just a beast. And I I had a nice tournament there as well. So, and 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 the, I, I it was just appealing to me to be able to have a bunch of different options with shots. You know, if you didn't want to get it up in the air, you could you, over there because of the hardness and the runout of their fairways. Chris, you could knock something down. You could knock a five iron down and hit it 190 yards, you know, back in the day. And, and, and you know, you don't do that over in the States because everything is so wet and so water. And so I, I, I was kind of, you know, to sucking it all in as much as I could, but I so much enjoyed the environment. I, I like the, the linksy style of golf and, and um, I can't wait to watch what, what uh, this British open brings. It's um, it looks like it's going to be rainy and, the wind doesn't look like it's going to be up. The score should be low. Uh, I think that favors an American. I'm a little pro red, white, blue, if you're going to be honest. But typically speaking, when the, you play a really super linksy course, course like um, uh, Liverpool, they, that that favors more of, you know, the Euros and uh, Terrell Hatton or uh, 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 Shane Lowry or some of the guys that have played there so many times. So, I love majors. I love. I wish I was still. I wish I had played in more when I was when I was a, a player. I I wish we had more of them to watch. It's just a, it's great TV, and I just love it. Jay, one more before I let you go. And you were inducted into the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. What was it like being honored like that in your hometown? Breathtaking, really breathtaking. My my family, my daughters were there, and um, it's such an honor. Something that I never really expected. You know, golf is a, a blimp on the on the screen here in St. Louis with, with baseball overshadowing everything. And um yeah, I was just really super honored, uh Kristen. And um, you know, I gotta say in this time of golf, when it's such a tumultuous time and such a oh boy, so many unanswered questions and such poor leadership as far as I'm concerned for someone who was extremely proud to say that I, I was somehow able to become a life member of the PGA Tour. There's a lot of things that need to be answered, a lot of questions, a lot of things, 
lot of things coming up that um, our Commissioner Monahan has his hands full with, and I'm really, really interested to see how we move forward, man. So to that end, I got to ask you, people talk about, is there a way back for the live players on the PGA Tour? My question is, is there a way back to the PGA Tour for Jay Monahan? Uh, no. In my opinion, I think this is going to be fatal. I think he is. He's there's there's too many different personalities in those rooms, Chris. That that and it it and 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 look at it, especially today. These guys don't trust easily. And I was reading Xander Shopley's comments, and he said, you know, I don't trust easily. And and now I really really don't want to believe anything that he says. And I mean, it's fair enough. I mean, Chris, what would have been wrong? With our commissioners saying, all right, folks, I've got some really important news and share it with the players first. Clearly, big mistake. I don't know who advised Jay Monahan, but clearly one of the all-time public relations gaffes in our country. But what would have been wrong with saying to the players, listen, guys, here's what we did. We've ended the, the litigation. We have, we and, and for two reasons. And here's what's really interesting, Chris. What Saudis did not want to open their books. We know that for sure. But they could have dragged this thing out for 10 and 20 years and never run out of money. We were in a terrible position there. But I can tell you what, the PGA Tour didn't want to open their books either for whatever reason, and I don't know why. But this merger, which was a horrible choice of words, was better than them exposing whatever we didn't want exposed out of our books. Because if we would have stayed the course, they would have outspent us and our secrets would have come out. There's no question in my mind. And whatever it was, I don't. We'll probably never know what it is. It's worse off than saying that we merged with the Saudis. But what I don't understand is why Jay didn't say, "Listen, we've ended the litigation for several reasons. Here's why: we spent fifty million dollars already. There's no end in sight, short term, and we do not have or desire to have the wherewithal to run this thing out." Now, guys, because. Um, the the public fund would like to dump several billion dollars into the game of golf. We think it's crucially important for us to reconsider our position and we need to rethink this and why not help shape how some of that money is spent and how we can do some good for the overall game, for more of society, more humanity, and go that way with it, Chris. What Jay did makes no Jay's a smart guy. We've got some smart guys in Jacksonville. This doesn't come close to meeting that sort of level of intellect and thought and and advice. It's a it's a it's 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 just an awful awful dropping of the ball by so many people. Completely agree, Jay. Before I let you go, let our listeners know how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing. Listen to your show and find you online and on social media. Chris, first of all, you're the best. You are the coolest dude. I so appreciate you inviting me on the show again. I'll come on anytime you want to talk golf because I just love it. Uh, my show is, uh, I've got a couple. My show is called Golf with Jay Delsing. We're expanding from one hour to two hours uh, starting August 6th. I also have a, a, a national podcast with Danny McLaughlin. He's a four-time Emmy award-winning um, uh, broadcaster called Beyond the Fairways with an S. And you can find those wherever uh, you find your podcasts right under you because you get all of the all the notoriety and you get all of the downloads and I love listening to your show and I love the way you're formatted and um, on social media it's just at Jay Delsing and I'm not much of a social media guy to be honest with you but um, 
there's something kind of cool, Chris. You need to look at it. Uh, Clubface-golf.com. It's over. A, it's a social media network over in the UK, and it's only golf. And it's super, super cool. And it is one of these things, bud, that has none of the trash. It doesn't have it. it, it it's just, it's just absolutely super, um, super cool. So it's called www.clubface-golf.com. And you can get on there and you can set up golf games. You can find out about golf clubs. You can, you can just chat golf. You can do whatever you want, but check it out. I think you'd really enjoy it. And it's not, none of the trolls and none of that other junk that's on social media. I'm definitely going to check that out. Thank you for that tip, Jay. And I can't thank you enough for coming back and being a part of the show. You're fantastic, my friend. I hope I get the privilege of catching up with you again soon. Anytime, buddy. Keep doing all the great stuff. And thank you for your kindness. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you, Jay. Take care, my friend. All the best in your family. We'll catch up soon. Bye, Chris. See you, Jay. That is the great Jay Delsing, folks. And it just don't come better. You want to talk about a guy filled with positivity and energy. Boy, you look no further than Jay Delsing. What a great career. Obviously a great junior career at the beginning. Did great things at college at UCLA. Goes out on the PGA Tour. Continues to play really, really well. And then from a broadcasting perspective, whether it's on Fox Sports or PGA Tour Radio or his own show, Golf with Jay Delsing, it's just, he's just outstanding. He's just a wonderful human being and a great player. And I'm very thrilled that uh, I got an opportunity to spend a little more time with him tonight. And I hope we get the privilege of doing it again very